Welcome to another edition of Baseball and Beyond. This is a wonderful day to be talking to the guy they used to call Larry Walker. Larry? I'm, I'm guessing that's supposed to be French. I don't know. Did people say that? Did, 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 did you hear that a lot in Montreal? You know, the only, the only person that used it and called my name with a somewhat of a French accent, as you just attempted, was Chris Berman. I was going to say him or John Miller. I think John Miller used to do really good uh, Spanish. Try He tried to do Spanish, guys. <laughs> so you're normally in Florida, but this I'm um, catching you when you're up actually in Cooperstown for the fantasy camp. I'm assuming, I don't know, how many times have you been to Cooperstown? Uh, this is my third time here, I believe. And you do the tour, you like kind of being up there? What's your favorite part of that place? Um, you know what, just the city itself is quite a neat deal just to walk around. I did that today for a little while. Uh, actually, one of the guys on my team is uh, a curator over at the hall. So uh, myself and Kyle McLennan went kind of backstage uh, today and uh, for a couple hours and uh, got a little tour of uh, some places that the public doesn't get to see. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was pretty neat. Now, Kyle will never actually be on the stage up there being inducted, but uh, I'm sure you get this question a lot. Um, your thoughts on uh, possibly being up there as a, as a player who, who should be in the Hall of Fame. What's your thoughts, and uh, do, you, do you think you have the numbers, and do you think uh, it's a, a, a something that you should have had an honor or have that honor at some point? Well, like I said, obviously if the vote was up to me, I'd say, okay, yeah, put am in, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's not. And uh, uh, I don't lose sleep over that fact that uh, people have their choice to, to, vote, to vote yes or no, and uh, and right now, you know, eighty percent of them are saying no. So it's that's just the way it is. I don't uh, I don't harp on that fact. Uh, you know, I'm I'm honored by the fact that I've been on the ballot for eight years, and I'm honored by the fact that there's a lot more people that say I should be on than maybe say I don't and I shouldn't be on. We're going to come back to that because I look at these numbers and they're nuts. But this uh, normally a lot of Cardinal fans like to listen to this, so we'll start. Uh, with the end of your career, so you get uh, you block a trade to Texas because you can, and then uh, the Cardinals come in in early August, and it's this, the craziest, most surprise trade of all time. I think anybody who was who was watching the Cardinals that night, first of all, it's one of the best teams we've ever seen. It was the most entertaining team I've ever watched, and there's buzz like what Larry Larry Walker Cardinals we're, we're thirty games over five hundred and we're bringing in Larry Walker just. <laughs> A little bit about what your thoughts were when you kind of got. Um, I, I think you got some phone calls from the, some some of the players, and you started hearing about it from the, from that side. But just your thoughts when you heard the, that that was starting to be kind of the talk in August. Well, I tell you, it almost didn't happen because of what you said with the Texas deal. I had uh, I had people on the inside that were close to me, and uh, even agent wise, telling me that I. I need to take this trade. It's a it's a good situation over there. And uh, I spoke with the GM uh, with the Rangers at the time. I spoke with the ownership of the Rangers, um, and just something in my gut after a day and a half. I, I I remember sitting out back in the at my place in Colorado, just on a swing, just contemplating this thing. And uh, something something entered my mind and said, uh, "It's not for you." And uh, and I, I blocked that trade uh, against everyone else's wishes. And uh, and, and shortly after that, a few days later, that's when, yeah, the Cardinal thing came, came knocking on my door. And, um, like I say, as a, as a visitor, I never really went, first of all, never really went to Texas that often. Well, I think I only had one trip there, but obviously being in the National League, I made, made numerous trips to St. Louis and, 
Um, and I, I think pretty much 100% of the ball players that come into St. Louis as a visitor uh, would one day dream about having that uniform on. And you, you play in front of those fans uh, with that organization, the history behind it, and the support that they get. And, uh, you, you know, that, that, that doesn't come around very often. So it was really a no-brainer for me when the, when the call came. I, this one I didn't sit on my swing and think about. And, uh, and then with messages from Roland and Edmonds uh, uh, about what, uh, what goes on over there and how, how things roll, it was, uh, it was, you know, I was really looking forward to getting there. And, you know, it, it, took, me, it took me a day to get there, and only because my daughter was in town visiting. It was tough to stay. My mom was there, too. So, you know, they, they flew in from, uh, from Canada and it's like, I mean, mom, I got three days to report, but I really can't do that in this situation. So I, I, I took that night because they wanted me to fly out that night. I took that night to stay with them and say goodbye to them and left the next morning. And, uh, and then the rest was history for me. I came there and, and, and thoroughly enjoyed my every, every day I had in that uniform. On a swing. I'm trying to picture this just Larry Walker on a swing. Was it a big swing, a tree swing? What, what kind of swing we got here? <laughs> well, my house is up in the mountain, so it was one that was on the side of the mountain that uh, uh, that can sit uh, three people. So just swinging back and forth on that, uh, just in my own little world trying to, to come up with the answer. How'd you end up in Jupiter then? Because you, obviously the Cardinals are down there. Is that, or do you have two homes? I mean, you're Larry Walker. You can live wherever. <laughs> well, I had a home, obviously, in Colorado, playing there for 10 years almost. And uh, when I first started playing professional ball, I signed with the Montreal Expos. Montreal Expos spring training was in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, and uh, that's where I, I purchased and, and bought my first home. So no home in Colorado or still a home? I, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get the geography of where you live these days. Yeah, oh, I live in West Palm Beach the majority of the time. Uh, that is where... My head is, uh, uh, for most of the time, I make trips to various places. In fact, I'm leaving to go back home where I was born and raised in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, in, a, in three days. So I go spend some time up there with family and friends. Yeah, so my goal is to winter in West Palm Beach. So I'm, we're almost there. Next January, I'm going to be down there, I think, for 30 days. Not that you care, but I'm, maybe we'll uh, break bread. Uh, you and Rick Ankeel and Matt Holiday, Matt Yadier Molina, so many guys live down there. But uh... I'll, try to, I'll try to make sure I'm out of town at that, that point in time. <laughs> I'm going to. I just want to say I'm going to winter somewhere. I didn't want to live there. I just want to winter somewhere. Well, that's a good choice. I'm all right. So I'm still pissed about the World Series in 2004 because, like I said, that team is just. Uh, as a fan, I grew up a Cardinal fan, and I just as we get further away from that team, uh, the the '85 team is the one that sort of got me into Cardinals. The '87 team was was like the best team I ever saw, and then the '04 team. So how pissed are you that that team doesn't? Not only don't they win a World Series, but I know Jim Edmonds has said, man, it almost seems fixed. Like, this is just like Boston's ordained to win. Did you feel that way? And you know, game one was so close, and then game two, not so much. And then it just said it was like over in a snap. It did go by very quick, unfortunately. And you know, I was telling some, some of the campers here at Fancy Camp last night that it took a lot of years for me to get that out of my system. I had nights where I sat at home. I couldn't sleep. I'd lay in bed and just think about what could have been you know you're on a team that that's ta that talent and, and and good that uh you know first losing is, is is a heartbreak but doing it in four games too and not even winning a game is uh, it breaks it even more if that's possible but uh, you know i i don't so much go back and and have those nights where i can't sleep but they have happened but they're far and few between now whereas the first like she's three four years literally it it Eat me up pretty bad knowing that that was, uh, as it turned out to be my, my only and, and, and only chance to, to, to win a World Series while in, in uniform and playing. 
So 05, you guys get another chance, and I, I think you were you were kind of hurt pretty much a lot, right? I mean, how hurt were you by the end of 05? Because I think it, it, you just pretty much let everyone know after uh, game six at Bush that you were done. Um, could you have played a couple more years, or did you just say, I cannot do this anymore? Well, you know what? I think there's a, a combination of a lot of things. Just 17 years in the league was a long time. Um, the, I, I had a I would see the black cloud over my head as far as injuries happening, and I could not shake that. Uh, you know, I don't know if 13 years of hockey and then uh, all the the baseball that I, you know, I played fairly reckless and uh, didn't uh, show a lot of respect for my body at times, and uh, that, that's just how I played. And, you know, just the rehab from a lot of those injuries, from my knee being completely reconstructed to broken collarbone, uh, separated shoulder, uh, and then when I got there, I remember being in Milwaukee, and, and uh, the game ended. I went in the in the weight room to work out a little bit with uh, Pete Prinzi, the strength coach, and I was on so on, an incline doing some incline uh, bench pressing, and I had, only had thirty five pounds on, just doing a lot of reps, and I couldn't do one rep. I got it like halfway. And my left arm started shaking, and, and it gave out on me. And that's kind of I was like, "What the heck's that all about?" So, tried it again, and couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't lift thirty-five pounds off my chest, and had no idea what was going on, you know. And uh, um, went and got that looked at to find out what was going on. Yeah, it hurt some, yeah, but you know, like I say, every player plays through through pain. Uh, you don't play through injury, but I played through pain, and, and it turned out that I had a herniated disc in my in my neck, and. Uh, now that was a struggle that year. It uh, it was bothersome for every swing that I that I missed, which you know happens. And and I had three cortisone shots in my neck just to get through that year. And and I just couldn't fathom having to get that fixed uh, after all the rehabs I've been through. And I thought about the seventeen years, and it was a long time. And uh, and to get through that at my age uh, just didn't seem right. I didn't want to be that old fart trying to hang on to play for another year when some young kid could be in there. Uh, you know, doing something a lot more productive than I probably could have done. Could have won a ring the next year, though, Larry. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I can look at that two ways. I, I was able to to be in spring training with the Cardinals and traveled with them a few times. And and uh, as class as the Cardinals were, uh, they gave myself and Cal Eldred a ring, the World Series ring for for doing all that. So I ended up getting a World Series ring, but I was not playing at the time. So. Um, so that was obviously an amazing honor. And then the other side of it, if I would have played, they might not have won a ring. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said a young guy, and I was just thinking about that. Chris Duncan, I think, had 23, 24 home runs. And so he, I guess he sort of took your place. So that, that is interesting. Um, characters on that team, you had, you had Tony. Did, did you have, do you have a great Tony LaRusso story? I, he seems like for you, probably just, Hey, you go bat second and give us damage. Do you, any good stories about him though, that you found? He's such a unique guy and I love <clears> hearing <throat> people talk about him. No, like I said, it was, it was an honor to play for him, the organization and Tony LaRusso, you know, he's uh, one of a kind and uh, the knowledge that he has uh, in the game for the game of baseball is, is pretty incredible. He did tell me that uh, early on that he was supposed to, uh, I think managed the Red Sox. Did he manage the Red Sox? I better remember the story exactly. But uh, he wanted to, to, to draft. Uh, the first player he wanted to draft was me. And uh, I guess it ended up not happening. He didn't get the job or something along that line. So that was that was pretty neat. But when I came to the Cardinals, he called me in his office. And he just wanted to pick my brain on, on how I play the game. And, you know, what, what's, what's my thinking out there? And I gave him an honest answer. And it's really how I played my career. And I said... I said, well, Tony, when uh, when I'm hitting, the guy's going to throw the ball, and I'm going to hit it, and I'm going to run. Uh, when I'm in the field, 
It's going to reverse. The other guys are going to hit it. I'm going to catch it and throw it in. Uh, that's basically about it. And he looked at he looked at me and said, uh, "You're a funny guy, though. Seriously." And I go, "Well, that actually is seriously. I don't. I I never tried to make the game more sophisticated or complicated than what it is. And I tried to take put all the simplicity into it I could. So that's literally how I thought of the game." And I, I will tell you that, that these fantasy camps are worth the price of admission. And and the fact that I get the chance to talk to you is just awesome. But I remember they had a little hitting drill, and they had you and Scott Cooper. And I don't know if they still do these, but you know they have. You know, they have Ozzy and Willie teaching base running and Ozzy teaching defense, and Ozzy does everything. But you come over to your station, and it's talking hitting, and you're like, guys, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I just would swing real hard and hope it would leave the ballpark. What I mean, you just, and that's true, right? And, and tell me a little bit about, like, when you see these guys, it, it seems so mental for a lot of guys. I don't. I guess you couldn't really be a coach and teach this stuff because it's – or could you could be. But I, I just think it's amazing that you just said – I guess that's just what talent is. When you can do what you did, is that kind of what, what we're getting at when we talk about hitting with you? Well, I, I guess so. It's it's. I don't. Uh, I, I don't think I'd be a good coach just because. I don't think I would give the organization what they're looking for and what they're and and, and you know for me a lot of hitting coaches were, um, not all, we'll say a lot of them, but there was a few that were basically hot air. You know, they they just talked and because they needed to talk. Um, and for me, the swing, uh, you're in the big leagues playing and your swing ha- has got you there and it's still working, but just because you're going through a couple of rough, rough times doesn't mean it needs an overhaul. And so many hitting coaches feel like they have to say stuff and make up stuff and come up with a solution and change this and do that. It's the hardest thing to do in sports, hit a baseball. And if you succeed 30% of the time, you're, you're really, really good. So it's, it's hard to sit there and try to change everybody's swing when i don't think it's necessary you know my thing is it's more confidence than anything else and you know believe in yourself and get up there be able to accept the failure uh, and and continue on and i think a lot of guys get caught up in the failure and uh when they step in the box that's more what they're thinking about than this than succeeding yeah and you had fun too that was what i always thought about when i watched you i guess when it's you're a five tool player and you make it look easy it's fun i'm guessing right <laughs> It's fun when it goes well. I, I I showed my frustrations right there on my sleeve. I wasn't afraid to break a bat or throw a helmet. I, I get pissed at times, you know. I want to I want to do well all the time as well. So it, uh, it was never it was never fun failing. You uh, so you obviously a Canadian, so obviously a hockey guy, and you did play hockey as a youngster. So what what was how hard was it to kind of decide to do baseball when everyone wants to? It is it's funny that I ask you this too. I'm just thinking about this. I heard Wayne Gretzky talk about how he was going to be a baseball player all the way up to about age 16. Like he thought that's, I'm playing baseball. That's what I want to do. And he just kept scoring so many goals, but you did the reverse. You played hockey, you played it with Cam Neely, right? It was a buddy of yours. So how hard was it to sort of make that decision or was it just, Hey, I'm too good at baseball and that's what I'm doing. I, did, I had no clue uh, what I could do at baseball. It's, it's something I never did growing up. I played 15, 20 games in the summer uh, until I was 16 uh, and then I played a 70-game season. But uh, hockey, I, I failed at two attempts at a junior A team. And when they tried to send me to a junior B team, I went to the town and just the town didn't. It was just it was a ghost town. And I just I said, you know what, this isn't for me. And, and then uh, and then had a chance to play in two tournaments, uh, uh, one representing Canada in a World Youth Championship in 1984. And then a couple of weeks later, I represented British Columbia playing against U.S. college teams. And I think that was the kind of the 
turning point. I hit 440 or something like that against uh, U.S. college teams, and and that's uh, when a, a scout, Bob Rogers, came came calling, and and there's a couple of teams. I think the White Sox uh, were interested, but the Montreal Expos were the ones that came up and and uh, asked me if I wanted to play him. I really didn't think anything up. You couldn't draft Canadians at the time, so when they offered me 1500 U.S., which was about two grand Canadian at the time, uh, I, I was where do I sign? And uh, and I did. So I got my 2000, and I hopped in my Pathfinder and drove from Vancouver to West Palm Beach, Florida, and, and went to my first spring training in 1985. I think I read this story. I think it's Wikipedia or something where you ran across first to third or something. You didn't even know you had to hit second base or so. was there something like that that happened or? <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, it was actually a hit and run. Uh, I took off running and, and didn't peek in to see where the ball was, heard the crack of the bat, and uh, I thought it was a base hit to right field. It turned out to be a fly ball to right field. So I was uh, on my way to third, and Gene Glenn, the coach, told me to get back. So I, I did. I ran back, slid into first ahead of the slow <laughs> throw, and the umpire called me out. And uh, I got up kicking and screaming, and that's uh, when uh, George... Uh, Ken Brett, the first base manager, first base coach, and our manager, uh, told me I had to go back and touch second base. Uh, as it turned out, I, I ran across the pitcher's mound, so I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I had already touched second. Why do I got to touch it again? <laughs> Unwritten rules, Larry. Come on. Yeah, yeah I uh, found them out. So, I mean, were you? I, I kind of remember. I mean, I was a kid when you came up with the Expos. Were you like regarded as just a, a national hero there for? Uh, for being a Canadian and playing in Montreal? I, I know it was a big deal that you were a Canadian playing for the Expos, but was it bigger than I'm remembering? I, I'm, it's probably not as big as you're remembering is, is more how I remember it. It's, you know, they, they had a Canadian playing for them and with me is yes. And they, they had uh, a couple other Canadians that came up as well. And, uh, the, the, the key for it not being as big as of deals. I, I was, I'm English Canadian. I'm not French Canadian. So, uh, you know, obviously the team is in Montreal, Quebec, which is predominantly French speaking. So I really wasn't one of theirs, uh, but, and it, it didn't quite have, uh, the flair that everybody thought it was going to have, uh, when I first got there. Yeah. There was somebody like Denny Boucher when he came and pitched, they, they laid out the fleur de lis, uh, between home and between uh, the home and the pitcher's mound, uh, as he was warming up, you know, to celebrate the fact that, hey, there's a French-Canadian pitching for Montreal. That's what we've been waiting for. So you didn't drink your beer with your pinky out? They didn't like that? You're, no. You're Molson. No. Don't even know what that means. I don't either. I don't either. Uh, <laughs> but I, I saw, so you how you came up with Randy Johnson at the same time? Or were you guys in the – I know you guys came up in the same – well, you came up a little earlier, but did you – run through the uh the the minors with him and and were you guys pretty good friends because this i totally forgot after during the all-star game when you you're a rocky and he's a mariner and you do the whole behind the you know you put your helmet on backwards uh he doesn't laugh obviously he doesn't ever but i mean were you guys pretty good friends throughout this whole time oh yeah okay. yeah no, no doubt we uh like i say teammates in in uh, the ex organization um, I actually faced him one time in spring training. This was him when he was a madman with uh, even longer hair and bigger muscles and threw 150, but no idea where it was going. And uh, I faced him in spring training in an inter-squad game. Uh, he threw the first pitch down the middle for a, for a strike I took. Uh, the second pitch was a slider. I, I flailed that and missed by a foot and a half. And uh, the, the 0-2 pitch, actually, I, I don't know how I got out of the way of it, but I think I felt it nick my chin on the way by. And my heart started beating way beyond uh, as fast as it should be beating. Uh, the one-two pitch before the ball even left his hand, I swung and just ran back to the dugout saying, no thanks. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, this one at bat isn't going to help me make a team, so I'm not going to take one off the dome. 
and uh, and that's uh, that was my Randy story from there. But we grew up, and uh, you know, when the trade happened, and he went to Seattle, uh, I think we were actually in a car together riding to the ballpark, or in, and I, I want to say in Rochester and something like that. And uh, and I remember saying to him, "Well, oh, this is a dumb trade. They're, they're going to regret this one." And uh, as it turned out, it, it was pretty bad. So is he always that serious, or is there sort of a different side? It seems like he. You know, he's doing like photography now and he's very serious about it. Was he was was there ever a time where you could make him giggle at all or no? Randy has a, a very funny side to him. He he's a funny guy and he does laugh, you know. He he'll laugh hard, but he's very uh conscious of what he's doing in public. He doesn't want to make a fool of himself and he has the the imitation uh the the, uh, the uh, reputation of uh of, of imitating intimidating you as a pitcher so and and he took that uh to another level you know with the long hair and the stare downs and not smiling and he would literally try to scare the crap out of you and that's what he did and it worked you know so uh, but that but deep down inside no he's a he's a great guy and uh and it's funny and, and good to fun to be around so what was that that night at the all-star game? i think it was baltimore right where you did that and did the did you uh, prepare for that or was that hey i'm coming well i guess he threw a crook the first time so Correct. Um, did you talk yeah. to him beforehand, or how uh, did that work? Well, that was the ball just slipped out of his hand, and then things just happened after that. Complete, just uh, you know, just weird how it worked out, I guess. <laughs> so, also the last thing about Montreal '94. I mean, how do you look at that? I know there's been talk about what could have been with that team. I mean, that was a great team. You had Pedro, Marquise Grissom, a lot of Delano De Shields, just an awesome team. But, um, I mean, do you guys think that that was that team was on its way? Well, if if any team I've been on, I've been asked, you know, because you, you know, people say you played on the 04 Cardinals that were made to the World Series and the 94 Expos that didn't go. And, and the common question is, which of those two teams was better? I got asked, I got asked it today, actually. So, and, and my answer is always the same. And, and sorry to say to Cardinal Nation that the, 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 the 94 Expo team, um, we were, that's the best team I've played on. You know, it was, it was just so much talent and so much young talent. We were, uh, it was the one team that I've been on where I pretty much we 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 didn't think we were going to win every night. We pretty much knew we were going to win every night, and and we went out there and dominated uh, for for quite some time. And uh, it's it's scary to think what could have happened if that strike didn't happen and uh, a World Series came to Montreal that year. Uh, you know, there, there could possibly still be a Montreal Expos uh, to this day. A few more minutes with Larry Walker, and now we get to Colorado. So. I guess this is where your career blossoms a little bit. Just uh, I know we talked about it kind of at the start. Um, they they do a thing. I think I read this article where they adjust. There's a sabermetrics, so this is good for you that there's sabermetrics. This wasn't around back then, but they adjust your numbers to parks, and your numbers adjust well. Like if you didn't play in Colorado, your numbers still sort of balance out. I think a lot of people always will think about you know that it was the whatever the balls were in a humidor or whatever but just talk about what it was like kind of playing up there and just being able to to rake i mean you hit i have it 97 you hit 366 720 slugging percentage you hit 363 the next year 379 350 these are batting averages people don't like to talk about batting averages but the slugging's crazy just uh your 1997's crazy talk about just being up there and what what uh how everything was going right for you in colorado well, I guess the first thing uh, I'll say is, is thank God uh, I actually did good in Colorado. Because if I didn't succeed <laughs> there, then you know we probably wouldn't be have any talking about Hall of Fames, or I still wouldn't be on that ballot, and nothing, none of that would come true. So uh, it's a good thing I did succeed there and do well. 
Um, but you know, it was it was another team I played for. Of the three I played for, it was, it was one of the other teams, and and nothing was different thinking wise. You took the field against twenty four other guys, and you tried to win a game. The other team had the same advantages as we did at Coors Field, and uh, we we took the field trying to to win a ball game, and that. That was really all I ever thought about my whole career. You know, then you, you retire, then everybody, all they want to talk about is your numbers and everything. And, and uh, I've really never gotten into that. You know, I don't understand all that Sabre stuff and all that all that stuff. And you know, like I say, my numbers are what they are. They're not going to change. Um, you know, people always say, you think you're going to make it in the Hall of Fame? And no, I'm not going to make it in the Hall of Fame. It's not going to go from 20% to 75% uh, just because it's you know, getting near the end of my, of my ballot. So... But uh, you know, it it, uh, it was a fun time in Colorado. The you know, unfortunately, we didn't put a lot of uh, winning teams on the field, so the fans kind of dwindled down some. But great, great fans there that uh, you know maybe didn't have the the knowledge and uh, the, of what 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 it was like with uh, as with the St. Louis Cardinal fans, you know, the time that they've been around. But but when they came out, man, they were unbelievable, you know. And that's that was one of the reasons I went there when I first. I didn't know nobody knew about you know uh, the ball traveling and how that was going to work out. I went there because the ballpark was full every day. You know, understand? I was playing in Montreal for six years and. Uh, we had, you know, 5,000 people would be uh, <laughs> all too common to see. So uh, as a visitor going into to Colorado, I was like, oh, my God, this is great. Not only the, the seats were full, but it reminded me of home from Van- being from Vancouver. It was in the mountains, and I got to see all that and see the trees and the weather and everything. And it, it brought me back home, and it, uh, those two things really uh, intrigued me to go play there. I mean, but do you, like, what was there something for you that just seemed like it was clicking at that time? I mean... And like I said, you've said before, I don't, I didn't really think about hitting, but I mean, it just was, everything was where you were hitting home runs, you're slugging, you're, you're doing every, you're throwing out people. I mean, you had 12 outfield assist in 97. Um, I mean, I just tell me 30 stolen bases. I mean, you did everything, uh, definitely in 97, but I think it was like a five year period there. I mean, did this just health, uh, just not thinking about that stuff? Well, the 97 was the, the year I played the most games without getting hurt. And, uh, um, you know, that always helps, you know, I, I miss a lot of games from, from injuries and surgeries. And so that, uh, didn't help me in a lot of cases, but, um, like I say, my, my, my last couple of years in Montreal, I was kind of figuring everything out and, um, you know, with, with no high school baseball and no college baseball, uh, I think I started, you know, it took me a few years to figure the game out in the minor leagues and then getting up to the major league level to, to know what I was capable of. And I always tried to raise my game to the level that I was playing against. And, and I think I finally, uh, I, you know, I honed that maybe, I think in 90, 1993 is when it started for me actually. And, and then the, you know, like I talked about earlier, having confidence, taking the field with confidence, even when you fail and, uh, you, you got to be able to, to, to be confident in what you're doing. And, and from 93 till, you know, the end of my career, basically, I was confident in, how I could play the game and, and how I could succeed. So, and, and, you know, obviously playing in Colorado and playing at that ballpark helped a lot, but also made it more difficult going out in the road because you're so used to, uh, you know, the, the ball doing uh, things that it doesn't do normally. So it's uh, it was a, it was adjustment from, from there and going on the road. So we kind of wrapped up uh, any favorite, I mean, any favorite moments as a Cardinal? Uh, I mean, there's so many, great moments in the world series i think that obviously your first at bat was my one of the 
craziest ones you come up and everyone gives you a standing ovation three pitches strike out back to the bench and another standing ovation I think that's one of the ones no one will ever forget but you have anything that kind of off the field you remember or something with with Scotty and Jim because those guys are Mike you know, this team was rolling and Jimmy and Pujols anything uh with any any of those guys that you uh because you're a funny guy and uh I feel like we've been almost too serious maybe talk more about the swing <laughs> being on the well. swing I I, I I I don't think I struck out on three pitches. First of all, I, I don't remember that part. You know, I forget a lot of things. But God dang, I hope I, I hope I'm not wrong on that. I'll but, go back and look. But, I'm sorry. That was my yeah. my bad, and I will edit this. <laughs> you know, listen. I I, I the standing ovation uh, going up there to the plate, and then striking out and coming back and getting another standing ovation. Um, you know, that's just typical cardinal cardinal fan, the cardinal nation, the way they are. You know, and uh, we're not gonna. I could have clapped this guy. He goes up there and he made an out. Be it, I could have lined out, flew out, struck out, whatever. It was an out, but they still uh, were. I, you know, I, I looked at it as they were happy to have me in a uniform, and what a gratifying thing that was for me, and 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 uh, an unbelievable way to welcome me. So uh, it was that was pretty cool. Um, you know, a lot of there's a lot of stories. You know, just I, I don't know how much stuff's funny, and probably some of it I can't say on uh on the, for people to hear it's maybe it's a later nights at the bar with some guys that they might hear stories that i could could tell the publicly but um you know just being in that clubhouse was was fun you know they, they had a golden tee golf game in there guys would play that it was a very loose atmosphere uh just guys relaxed until the until the bell rang and then it was game on and and uh and everybody just clicked together it was it was like i say it was a joy to play play for and and, and fun to go out there and, and have almost that same feeling as what i had in 94 with that expo team yeah well that's why i i do plug joe pfeiffer's been great to me that fantasy camp is one of the greatest things and i know we've had a few beers and had some, few, some stories and you even have fun pictures on your phone that you share with all the campers sometimes <laughs> I do that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is, so, lastly, kind of, what are you doing now? Do you have any? Uh, I mean, do you have to do anything? Do you? Do you work? Do you want to coach? Do you have any any future plans, or are you just going to hang out by the beach? I'm, you know, I'm pretty laid back. I don't. Uh, I, I don't make any plans a lot of the time for when I wake up every day. You know, I do have some things I do. I I'll go out of town to do a few events here and there. I'm, I'm very, very selective on things I do. I, I don't like uh, traveling all that much. Um, um, I, I do go back home to, to British Columbia. I'm actually going to be there Wednesday. So I'm leaving here, going back to Florida for a day, and then I'll be back in British Columbia for a, you know, a good month and a half and, uh, and spending time up there. But uh, I, I used to golf a lot. Don't do that so much. It's uh, I could spend the day out in my yard doing yard work, and, and I am completely happy. So, uh, you know, days like that are what I look, what I live for and, and just being able to, to, you know, talk and see to my kids all the time and, and enjoy them and growing up and, and hanging with them. It's a, you know, there's just a, just a little thing. It doesn't take a lot to excite me. Any, uh, how old are your kids and any ball players? any future Larry Walkers coming through the system? No, no, uh, the, uh, two youngest are girls and the oldest is 24 and doesn't never played ball. So, uh, the 17 year old plays, uh, some soccer and that's really about it. So the, the athletic gene didn't, uh, didn't travel too far. Maybe the world cup, maybe, you never know. Soccer's, <laughs> soccer's getting big. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate your time. And like I said, uh, Cooperstown, you should be up there, not as a guest, but on the stage, but, uh, I don't have a vote, but you know, these Sabre guys, they're getting, they're taking over. They're the ones who might be able to, at the end, push you over. The Sabre guys are big, Larry. You might want to become friends with them. I'm not a fan of them. Well, there's been a lot of push the last, uh, actually last year. A lot of people reached out to me. They, and 
and uh, the, I think they're going to push it. You know, people want me to publicize myself more, and that's just not me. You know, I'm I'm content and happy being unknown and unseen and unheard of for for most of it. That's why I don't do a lot of things. Uh, uh, I'm just uh, not that not a public person that way, I guess. So, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, I get to the thirty percent. Maybe I'll make it to thirty-three percent, and then I'll be completely satisfied. You do have a lot of you like that thirty-three. I knew I do notice that. Uh, but I appreciate your time. Have fun up at fantasy camp, and uh, I'll be seeing you in January if you're around, and you can hide. And I'll, I'll I'll stay away, but I'll be wintering in Florida, and I'll be giving Larry Walker a call. I appreciate your time, Larry. You got it. Thanks for having me. All right. It's Baseball and Beyond presented by Masses Restaurant. We thank Larry Walker, hopefully a Hall of Famer someday, but one of the greats of all time in baseball. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.